0: is study number 12 of Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 9 and 10. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. Well, in our last study, we saw how the waters can represent people. And we also saw how the Hebrew word translated gather together, Strong's number 6960, is often translated as wait in relationship to waiting on God for salvation. And... We saw that one place, the the uh, two words here used in verse um, 9, as God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, that those two words identify with death from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let me read that again. As... And it was also Ecclesiastes 6, and in verse 6, where uh, God ties the uh, two words one place to death, um, Ecclesiastes 3.19 says, For that which befalleth the sons of men, befalleth beasts, even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all, one breath so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast for all is vanity all go unto one place all are of the dust and all turn to dust again so we uh we saw when looking at this spiritually we we know the historical um record we we recognize that, that God created the earth. It was covered with water. He then, uh, removed the water from part of the earth and revealed dry land. But spiritually, we, we saw earlier when God said, let there be light or when God spoke of um, his original creation is being without form and void these have spiritual connotations they are uh, God's already teaching the gospel from the very beginning of the creation and he's doing it again here in Genesis one verse nine let the waters that is the people the uh, according to revelation seventeen verse one and fifteen. Waters can tie in with people. Let the people under the heavens be gathered together, or let them wait. Let them wait um, in in or unto one place, and one place relates to death. Let the people wait in death. And we, we wonder about that. Well, how, uh, how can, how is that possible that God is speaking of people waiting in death? But then when we consider God's salvation program, when we consider the actual, um, things the Bible tells us, it, it reveals that man is dead in sin that we are spiritually dead right from the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, they died in that very day. And mankind has been in the condition of death throughout the entire history of, of the world. And even God's elect, those predestinated to receive salvation, in what condition were we before God saved us. Well we were spiritually dead like everyone else and and therefore we can see let the people wait in death. That is at, at, um, that would be the spiritual um, understanding of these words as we see the Bible speaks of waters as people and the gathering together. remember we looked at that word, It's overwhelmingly translated as wait and often in the context of waiting on God for salvation. Let the people under the heavens wait unto death. Let them wait in the condition of being spiritually dead. But what are they waiting for? Well, it goes on to say in in the last part of verse 9, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Now I mention in the, the end of the last study how the, um, the word used here, the, the Hebrew word is uh, Strong's 3004. 3004, and I think it's found 14 times in the Old Testament. And it's a word that relates to the opening of the sea in, in the Exodus, in, um, the crossing of the Red Sea. And why don't we take a look at it? Because when, when we slow down and read the verses, it really helps us to get a better understanding rather than just making a statement and, and saying, Well, this word identifies with a dry land as God makes a pathway. Yes, it does. But when we see how it's used um, repeatedly, it makes more of an impression upon us, and we're more likely to remember it it, uh, in relationship to the Bible verses. And, uh, you know, ultimately... That's what we want to do as we're studying the Bible. We want to learn. We want to remember the things we learn so we can keep it in mind. In Exodus 14, it uh, the, the Hebrew word dry is going to be found um, three times. And it's mentioned in Exodus 14. I'll start reading in verse 15. And Jehovah said unto Moses... Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So here before them is water, water, um, in in all all before them. The only way of escape is across the water, but they cannot cross. So God miraculously divides the water and makes a pathway to the other side and miraculously makes it a dry pathway. You know, if, if you divide the water like that, um, of course no one can, but if they could, then it's going to leave a muddy bottom and you're going to trudge along. And if you have carts and animals, it, it would be very, very difficult. And it would take you quite a while to get across on that kind of bed that that, uh, that was once the sea bottom. But God made it dry. It, if God can part the sea, and he did, he can certainly dry up the ground underneath for his people for his people and that's what he did in verse 22 of Exodus 14 and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left and then a little further down in, uh, beginning in verse 28 and the waters returned and covered the chariots And the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remain not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus Jehovah saved Israel that day out of the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore the dry land that God created temporarily here with the Red Sea. And 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 basically, it was a similar action to what God did here in uh, Genesis 1. In in Genesis 1, God has the earth covered with water, and he uh, begins to move the water and gather it together, So that dry land appears. Well, we just saw in these three verses the dry land was a a means of deliverance. Without that dry land appearing in in um in Exodus chapter fourteen, with Pharaoh and the Egyptian army right behind them, they would have been defeated. They would have been um caught and and killed probably by by the Egyptians but God delivered them through the creation temporarily of a patch of dry ground that was in the midst of the seas and and so that uh, is as we're looking to understand this word dry that's three times in one chapter it's also, used in a similar way in Exodus 15, we won't look at. But keep in mind, it's only found 14 times in the Old Testament. And, and so there's four uses with the crossing of the Red Sea. Actually, there's more than that in the Bible, because it's used again in Psalm 66. Um, it says in verses... 5 and 6, Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doing toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. There did we rejoice in him. So there is another reference to the crossing of the Red Sea and God making it dry dry ground. um, In Nehemiah chapter 9, again, it says in verse 11, And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and their persecutors thou throwest into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. We we can see uh, the distinction. If you're on the dry land, if you follow the dry land, you're saved, you're delivered, you live. But it was the water that destroyed the Egyptians as the water collapsed on them and they drowned in the Red Sea. So there's uh, about, uh, well, that's around six references. Almost half of the references involve uh, deliverance. It, it, it is pointing to salvation. Now, this word is also used in association with The Crossing of Jordan, in Joshua chapter 4, and beginning in verse 22, Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land, for Jehovah your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you, until you were passed over, as Jehovah your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us, until... We were gone over that all the people of the earth might know the hand of Jehovah, that it is mighty, that ye might fear Jehovah your God forever. Well, okay, so we can see that's, that's, um, sufficient, um, scripture to show that the dry land points to salvation and And so, again, going back to Genesis 1, verse 9, the waters identify with people. They are waiting in the condition of death. And, you know, God's elect always wait in the condition of death until salvation or resurrection. First of all, before we were saved in the day of salvation, you had to wait upon the Lord for him to grant salvation to you because salvation is of the Lord. God must do the work of saving through the faith of Christ. And so we waited in death. And, and then even after salvation of the soul throughout history, people have died physically and their spirits go to be with the Lord, but there is death with their body, and and their body, as it were, is waiting in death for God to make the pathway, uh, the dry land to appear, so that they can cross over into the promised land and become a completely new creature in both body and soul, the, the day of the resurrection of the dead. So we we can see that this word um, dry relates to crossing the Red Sea, which is deliverance from the enemies of the kingdom of heaven, the uh, Satan typified by Pharaoh and the Egyptians, the unsaved of Satan's kingdom of the world. And And God causes his people to cross over and then crossing Jordan on dry land when, when you cross Jordan, it's a picture of entering the promised land of the new earth. The new earth is what the land of Canaan typifies. Um, oftentimes that, that was the promise to Abraham was that you will receive the land. You'll receive the land and and uh, the land of Canaan for an everlasting inheritance, and we know that's just not possible with the literal land of Canaan in the Middle East, because this whole world will one day soon be destroyed. It'll it'll burn up. So there's no way God could fulfill that promise, and and a promise of God is an obligation. He must fulfill it. And God never lies, so He had to tell the truth. And but He cannot fulfill it with the literal land of Canaan or where the current state of Israel is and, and the Palestinians are in the Middle East. It, it just cannot be. Therefore, the promise to Abraham of the land for an ever everlasting inheritance. Was pointing to the new earth, and and so crossing Jordan into that land of uh, Canaan points to crossing over into the new earth, and and so when the dry uh, uh, there, uh, the waters are gathered together or they wait unto one place, man waits in death. And then God says, let the dry land appear. And it was so God makes a pathway of salvation for those that have waited upon him, his elect people. Well, then it says in verse 10 of Genesis 1, And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. The dry land, uh, God called earth. Earth. And um, the the word earth, of course, it uh, originally, initially, points to this earth. But God uses the very same word to speak of the new earth, which... Uh, he has promised to them that he will save. It, this word earth is strong 776. It's often translated as land. When God made promise to Abraham of the land for an everlasting possession, that's the same word translated as earth. And the, in this verse, God called the dry land earth. And, and in the Bible the The uh, promise of God to those that He saves, which is a wonderful promise, it's a glorious promise, is not only will your sins be forgiven and you will live forevermore, but you will dwell in a land, a perfect land, and it will be yours also forevermore. Uh, so what you build, uh, another if you build a house another will not inhabit if you plant a vineyard another will not eat the fruit of it no it your building projects will uh continue into eternity future you can keep building something it it will not be a vain thing as things are in this present earth because things of this earth uh, will will uh, rust and decay and corrupt and pass away. But in the new earth, there will be no rust nor corruption, and things will not pass away. They will be eternal, making everything that is done of value and purpose and meaning, uh, as really vanity and emptiness, comes as a result of... The temporal nature of things in this world, including our own life, but in the next, we will not die and, and leave a project half done. We uh, and our project will will not uh, be destroyed. It it will not collapse. It will there will not be a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake uh, to bring down the house. But everything will. Uh, be, uh, enduring. It'll be steadfast and continuous, continuing into eternity future. Can you imagine the things that could be built if, uh, you, you could keep improving it, keep working on it, keep building it up? In other words, uh, just, just look at what man can do in short, spurts in in the the little season of time he has in this life and and when men build things in this world they have to continually keep fixing it you know like when they they um, do a a road they pave the road it's it's beautiful it's wonderful well then comes winter and and um, soon you have potholes and and soon something goes wrong with the pipes and they have to dig it up and, and the, it, it's just constant repair, constant, um, uh, reworking on things. And, and it, of course that slows progress. And then once they get a city all nice and beautiful and, and up to date, just like they, they want it. Well, then a tsunami hits the city or an earthquake brings down the buildings and back they go where a fire destroys something and let's start over again. That's not the nature of the new heaven and the new earth. It, there'll be no calamities, there'll be no curse upon the earth to bring the calamities and and therefore uh, it, it will be incredible to see what could develop, what could um um result in in an ongoing continuous building up uh of an edification forevermore into eternity future well the the uh dry land is called earth and really what's in view in spiritually spiritually is the new earth uh, as we read in psalm 37, Psalm 37, 9, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon Jehovah, they shall inherit the earth. And the uh, Hebrew word 6960, translated as gathered together, the waters gathered together, is the word that's translated as wait in Psalm 37, verse 9. Those that are Gathered together, um, or we could say, uh, to uh, to do it the other way, uh, shall inherit the earth. It's also um, the same word in verse thirty four of Psalm thirty seven. Wait on Jehovah. That, that's the word sixty nine sixty, and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. So, uh, in this very early historical account, and it is true history, we're reading in Genesis 1 of how God created the world, the universe, all things. This is exactly how he did it, in the order that he did it, day by day, for these six days of creation through this 144-hour period. But spiritually, God is already um, painting the picture, looking ahead to the time when there will be sin in the world. And, And so the figure is of man that is waiting in death for the dry land to appear for that pathway into eternity future where they will dwell in the new earth and the new earth they will inherit forevermore. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Paltalk, Skype, E-Bible Fellowship's webcast audio or over your phone.